What do you want to do today? Should we do the main one? Yeah, if you're ready, I am. I'm ready. Cool. I still I haven't edited the most recent mini so these could just both go out this week. Boom. Perfect. Cool beans. Um then I dare say Welcome everyone to another episode of Super Duperstitious. The comedy podcast about the science behind spooky and strange and unexplained things. Oh my. I'm Wyatt. <laughs> I'm Jake. And uh yeah, we are here now. <laughs> talking to you. Talking to you. <laughs> Bringing all of our talents in friendship, science, and the beyond to bear. If you're a new listener, this is a show where we look at everything from the paranormal to just the weird in the world and examine it from a scientific perspective. If you're a new listener, bear with me as I dive into Jake, start the music, APSA. <laughs> So this is a quick PSA brought to our attention by Kylie in Australia. So big thanks to them. A very big thanks. Guys, I think we've all been there. You're listening to things on your phone or your computer or your radio, what have you. And you suddenly realize, despite the production quality, earnestness, and good spirited vibes of the show, you know, I'm just not really enjoying this that much. Heck, you might even think, although I'm laughing and learning while listening to this free show that I didn't even have to pay for, it is actually pretty good and nice, I still sort of actually hate it. <laughs> well, as it turns out, should you find yourself in this particular situation you can and i am not even kidding here simply stop listening to that content (laughs) i didn't believe it when i heard it either (laughs) and you're probably asking yourselves what i was asking myself but wait don't i have to very publicly reach out to the community and the creators to let them know how personally offended i am by what is almost glaringly just an innocent and inclusive laugh i mean That's what I would have done, too. Well, I am very happy to say again, you can, in fact, simply stop listening by pushing the two vertical bars button, which I was told is the quote-unquote pause button Uh and not the roadway toggle. (laughs) I have also recently learned that if you see a button of square shape, apparently you can push this to outright stop the show. And from there, I guess you are free to just listen to anything else you like. So... Thank you, Kylie, for bringing this to our attention. We hope this will help you find some way to listen to other shows without being so mean about it. (laughs) And that'll do it for me. And that'll do it for the music then, too. Yes. So for the last several episodes, we've been deriving our topics from a kind of free association exercise at the end of the previous episode, determining what we will have to research. And this week's topic is bird stuff. If I'm not mistaken. What can even be said, Jake? Uh, There are, uh, at least for my money, not actually that many weird bird stories or (laughs) compelling cryptids that are uh, winged and also clearly bird-like rather than humanoid or flesh-like. Would you say this is true? I would, in fact. I also thought you were going to say, what what can I say, Jake? But there are birds. (laughs) (laughs) There are. There are. For my money, there are at least several birds. Yes, this is extremely true. There's Thunderbird and its riffs, but we already did that. And there's Fake Pterodactyl, but we already talked about that. And the list is kind of uh, almost already over. (laughs) So I took a different tack for today. Seven bird superstitions and some of their origins. Oh. As selected from Audubon's silly ass article, 13 bird superstitions. (laughs) 
So buckle up. It's going to be one of those ones. <laughs> <laughs> the question mark is in the title of the article, too, as I recall. <laughs> That's right. 13 um, question mark bird superstitions two question marks <laughs> so number one with a bullet if bird poop on head good sign of luck <laughs> apparently this originates in russia have you ever heard of this one jake uh, i haven't but if it is true which i'm guessing it is if you're bringing it up uh i am a very lucky boy because wow, i get pooped on get pooped down a bunch of pretty decent amount wow <laughs> not always the head but they usually aim gross yeah couldn't find an exact story for this but i would say we can boil this down to taking something that has uh, relatively slight odds if you're not jake and choosing to see it as <laughs> good rather than bad luck that it has occurred and a great reminder that essentially anything can be an omen and you can just make things lucky rather than unlucky if you would like to yeah breaking uh, a mirror is 130 years of good luck there you go. People should be smashing that glass, as they say. Uh, number two, it's terrible luck to kill an albatross. And if you're a sailor, you'll get lost at sea. Uh, in fact, according to National Geographic... It's good luck to kill an albatross. Yes. Yes. In 1959, crewmen aboard a cargo ship carrying a caged albatross, which died on board, even staged a strike in protest. They were so nervous about this one. Wow. This bird's folkloric rep was also a highlight of Samuel Taylor Coleridge's Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, mm-hmm. a book that I have not read. Uh, it's not a poem, I should say. Yeah, it's not a book. It's a poem. <laughs> <laughs> and it, but it is it is a lot longer than I realized uh, before I read it. I was like, oh, this is this is an epic poem, not a regular poem. And it went on for a while. I guess it's uh, double entendre to say rhyme in that way, <laughs> isn't it? But of course, in the the ram which is what I'll call the rhyme of the ancient mariner from now on. Uh, mariner shoots an albatross, must wear the carcass around his neck as punishment. Thus, the phrase to have an albatross around one's neck has come to mean someone is carrying a terrible burden. Uh, so what's the origin? Sailors actually thought a living albatross brought good luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, they felt the bird's habit of flying alongside ships meant that they housed the spirits of drowned sailors. And I guess... They just assumed that those sailors were joining in the voyage in a spirit of goodwill. Hmm. This, plus the fact that uh, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner was published in 1798, uh, could be all it took to establish this superstition as something that is just deeply ingrained. There you go. I think we've all heard this one. Uh, Number three, it is good luck if a blackbird, or really any bird, makes a nest on or in your house have you heard of this one i have not i was picturing a blackbird nest in the center of my living room <laughs> that would be very intriguing i struggle to find a single or otherwise convincing origin for this uh, but bird nests often symbolize health happiness birds uh to have one established <laughs> on your house easily suggests there's just something great about your home and your family that was deemed worthy by the birds And we can just leave it alone that uh, most homes have hollow or otherwise inhabitable eaves, nooks, and other crannies that any smaller bird would love as a nesting site. And also bats. And also bats. (laughs) And wasps. The other other bird. Number five, if you see five crows, sickness will follow. Six crows. And can you guess? Death? Sandwiches. Oh, of course. Yes, of course, it's death. 
Uh, crows belong to a decently sized family of birds called the Corvidae. This is one of the most adaptable, intelligent, and opportunistic bird families that we have on this planet. And when you combine crow-level intelligence, their tendency to take advantage of stray resources near human settlements, and their ominously or otherwise captivatingly black plumage, it's no surprise that many corvid species, they're not all black, but they have fun, interesting plumage or dark plumage. Um, these many species occupy places of spiritual or at least superstitious power in tons of cultures. Um, and I was able to find meanings for everything from one to eight crows near wow. you or your house. All right. What well, lay it on me? I did not write them down from okay. good to neutral or to even bad luck. <laughs> now, what is it? The total number of crows you see at one time or ever? At one time. Okay. So if you see five crows at once, you're going to get sick at some Somebody point. Some people get sick. And yes. then if you see a sixth one, but if you see, it's not like the next time you see a crow, oh no, that's the sixth one. Now I'm going to die. Correct. Okay, yes. good. Um, although maybe that's true because I think by this point in anyone's life, we have seen at least six crows. And, and it just says death will follow. It doesn't say how many years after the exactly. fact. Exactly. I, for listeners uh, who want to be disappointed, I tried to record a video for our Instagram and it didn't work because it was too dark. But walking through a park near where I live here in Minneapolis, uh, there are just billions of crows, it seemed like. Like oh definitely, my. definitely in the hundreds. And there's been a couple of times where there's been weird just large crow events happening around here like i was getting in my car and thousands of crows were flying overhead in a big just like cloud in one direction and every once in a while they'd stop and swirl around in, in place and caw and then keep going um wow. i think they all ended up at this park because when we walked through they were just the all of the trees all devoid of leaves during the winter were instead full of crows you can see all it looked like foliage they're so full of crows all just quietly sitting there watching us walk through in the middle of the night. And I was like, oh, this is terrifying. I love this. That's upsetting. <laughs> so I tried to get um, some footage of it, but it's uh, just too dark for the old demo phone to handle. Drat. Crows and trees are the avian equivalent of a full moon, I suppose. <laughs> yes. And then I think I saw a vole. That was kind of fun. I was running along and dove into the snow. Ah, the crow of the rodents. That's what they say. Um, we also get tons and tons of crows also fittingly around let's say mid-september to mid-november so the october month is kind of high time mm -hmm. and uh yeah it is insane they they flock it all moss but i do believe crows are largely individualistic but they can form little like cadres but when it's migration time they will form huge hordes hmm. and uh black out the skies <laughs> but uh However many crows you see by your house, I can reassure you that that means that crows are near. <laughs> uh, number five, to avoid bad luck, tip your hat if you see a magpie. <laughs> Another Corvid for you. Yes, indeed. Evidently in the UK, magpies, which, take a shot, Jake already said it, are also among the Corvidae, uh, take on more superstitions than apparently any other bird, hmm. according to BirdSpot, a UK we uh, bird watching website. <laughs> Um, folklore has surrounded magpies in the UK and the rest of Europe for hundreds of years. And Victorians were, uh, evidently so fearful of magpies that they nearly hunted them to extinction. Jesus. Maybe that's just a riff on, I would imagine Victorians using magpie feathers in their hats. 
I feel like it was not so much the magpies as the fact that it was the Victorians and it was birds because yeah, everyone true. everywhere was just murdering all the birds. I mean, that's when the passenger pigeon was getting killed big time over here. Good call. And the plover, too. Mm. Comma piping. Uh, however, before the spread of Christianity, the magpie was an important symbolic bird often associated with good luck or fortune. The Romans, for example, believed that the magpie was highly intelligent with excellent reasoning abilities. And in ancient Greece, magpies were sacred to Bacchus, the god of wine. But the church viewed the magpie very differently, insisting that it was the only bird not to weep or comfort Jesus (laughs) during his crucifixion. As we all remember, the cassowaries that were present were very sad after he died. Yes. Shedding great tears, promising to kick to death <laughs> any pagan from then on. Um, from this grew a number, uh, some might even say an embarrassment of superstitions around magpies and the stories in the Bible. To help ward off the bad luck, this I did listicalize, the bad luck that might come your way from seeing a solitary magpie, there are shockingly many things you can do, including hmm. salute the magpie, say, good morning, general, or... <laughs> Good morning, Captain. (laughs) Say, good morning, Mr. Magpie. How is your lady wife today? (laughs) Say, good morning, Mr. Magpie. How are Mrs. Magpie and all the other little magpies? (laughs) Say, hello, Jack. How's your brother? Doff your hat. Spit three times over your shoulder. Blink rapidly to fool yourself into thinking you've seen two magpies. And finally, and perhaps worst of all, flap your arms like wings and call loudly to mimic the magpie's missing mate. <laughs> so. Good afternoon, Admiral. Afternoon, Admiral. That's not <laughs> going to work. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it worse, Jake. That makes it worse. I got to rethink my strategy. Uh, number six. It is bad luck to see an owl during the day. Owls are, of course, most active at night, so seeing one during the day, uh, perceptible inversion of natural law, obviously, I guess, entails a parrot inversion of one's own fortunes, uh, I suppose, Hmm. which are, of course, good fortunes in this case until proven otherwise. At least that's what I figured I'd see. My first hit when searching around, which I won't even link here, suggested it wasn't said good luck to see an owl during the day. So I guess take your pick. Uh, <laughs> owls, like many corvids, have long carried comparably more symbolic weight than many other birds for many cultures. Uh, this is partly due to their nocturnal nature, of course, and partly due to their forward-facing eyes and relatively round heads, evocative of human cranial mapping. Um, and we all know that humans love nothing more than projecting themselves on their environment. So owls, which are largely in the family Strigidae, or another choose-your-adventure animal when it comes to spirituality or superstition. And as we all know, they are not what they seem. <laughs> yes, exactly true. And number seven, having a wren around will prevent one from drowning. <laughs> Just think about that sentence for a minute. Having a wren around will prevent one from drowning. What are, what are they talking about? <laughs> if you have the wren around, you can make sure it doesn't drown. <laughs> This was a particularly tricky and upsetting one to scratch at online. Uh, If for no other reason, then so many sites have parroted each other with this line to assemble their listicles that even placing so simplified a search as Ren, Prevent, and Drowning together pulls up link after link to pages that hit to the same weird 
Having a runaround will prevent one from drowning. <laughs> Having a runaround will prevent one from drowning. To the point that I started to feel like I was being activated as a sleeper agent or something. <laughs> it's one of these bizarre, technically complete and comprehensible, but otherwise like nonsensical sentences that, uh, yeah. I'm still kind of getting over it. It's it's so funny when uh, different articles just totally give up the game that they are not even trying not to copy and paste from everyone else on Good the internet. Because like, that, not that that's like that's grammatically sound. It's a it's like considered the correct way of having it, the impersonal one, but it's so much more common nowadays to use the second person you. Like having a runaround will prevent you from drowning. And at least one website or oneself, oneself, yeah. And at least one website could have changed just one word and made it sound yes. wholly unique from everything else. Exactly. If one should have a wren in the vicinity, <laughs> drowning, comma the likelihood thereof is greatly reduced, comma. Lifeguards hate this one wren. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it was one of those days, one of those prompts. Um, I hope, I hope anyone out there enjoyed some of these wacky superstitions. There are more of them, and the fun thing about superstitions is you can just make them up whenever you want. So, I'm sure if we did the search again in another five years, we'd find umpteen more bird-based superstitions. And actually, I would invite anyone who feels like it to submit. Your best obscure bird-based <laughs> superstition. Send it to contact at superduperstitions.com. We'll have some new bird superduperstitions. That would be very fun. And otherwise, I uh, can't help but feel the warm glow coming off of this NCAA device yes. uh, in the room here. Which, of course, is this ancient computational machine that Jake and I built some four years ago. Five years ago now. Good Lord. I don't know. Time. Mm -hmm. uh, which we no longer use for its key function, but we do use for its sort of uh, ancillary function, which is the pander function, the patron appreciation neural dive for evaluation of risk. Neural dive, of course, uh, necessitates that we plug this into the backs of our heads with these wires that we're now holding. Yep. Here we go. There they are. Uh, and uh, we will use this or really it will use us to evaluate the risks that our awesome patrons face in the world. Specifically, we will assess whether they need to be on the lookout for any kind of cryptid, creature, monster, ghoulie, what have you out there. And, um, you know, give up another couple years of our life to the machine. So let's first focus in on Carrie of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Tennessee. Carrie be on the lookout for mud mermaids wow <laughs> mud mermaids are as you might have guessed mermaid-like creatures commonly believed to have lived in the muddy banks of the ohio river during the uh, 19th and 20th centuries pretty recent they were recounted yeah. in an 1839 pennsylvania newspaper as being quote about four feet high and covered with a light coat of chestnut colored hair mm. Also described as having yellowish skin color and webbed feet at the end of their four limbs. Uh, the different studies report the creatures having slightly different attributes. They're all always described as having vaguely humanoid and amphibious features.
features. So, Kerry, I would uh, stay well south of the Ohio River if you can, and well in the contemporary period from the 19th and 20th centuries. As best you can, anyway. It seems like they mostly eat frogs and fish, but you never know if they might go for something bigger. Yeah, exactly. They, they don't seem to have a history of attacking humans. Um, and in fact, are quite easily startled and reclusive. So, mud mermaids, watch out for Carrie. Yeah, exactly. Really, we should be warning you about Carrie. She lives in Tennessee. <laughs> and uh, that's about all I can say. She supports this show, which is a pretty dangerous thing to do in the first yes. place. So. so, thank you, Carrie, for supporting. So, thank you, Carrie, for supporting the show. <laughs> yep. And thank you, mud mermaids. <laughs> be safe. Um, next up, we're focusing we're on a download for. Will, Will Anderson, Anderson of, of Los, Los Angeles. Angeles? Uh, look out for Alula, Alula whale. whale. The Alula Whale, also known as the Alula Killer, is an oceanic cryptid. Oceanic. Mm-hmm. The Alula Whale is a sepia-tone orca, <laughs> or sepia. I think it's sepia. sepia. I think sepia, sepia is correct. Thank God. Validated at last. <laughs> well, I'm sure you're pretty familiar with orca. These guys have a much more prominent dorsal fin. Okay. Uh, is the dorsal fin or the whale itself roughly 24 feet long, <laughs> weighing two tons? <laughs> I think we should assume it is the dorsal fin. Okay, so, so this is a very big dorsal fin to watch out for. I think the whale is normal size, though. Okay. <laughs> so essentially look for a whale with a whale-sized dorsal fin. <laughs> it's not uncommon for... The Alula whale will be recorded with white star-shaped scars on its body, perhaps from fights with giant cephalopods. Uh, this illustration indicates that they're just straight-up Sneech-style stars on the sides <laughs> of it. Yes, <laughs> and they look a bit cheery about it, if I'm honest. They actually do look pretty happy about their star situation. They so. have a gendered rendering here, or sexed renderings, where... Another thing to bear in mind, the female Alula whale will have eyelashes. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even see that. So um, in case there's any question which one, it's the it's the pretty one. That's right. Because they are these notorious are uh, confederates. <laughs> I would I would suggest, Will, that you look up a picture of an orca and note these similarities. Imagine specifically an old picture of an orca so that it has the correct uh, color situation. Yes. And, uh... Stay out of the water. Stay away from... The eastern gulf of Aden to Socotra. Yes. Uh, which I know you're apt to frequent, so mm-hmm. sorry to kill the plan. Um, and thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. If you would like to have your own creature-crypted uh, large-finned whale calculated by our machine, all you got to do is become a patron at any level on our Patreon. If you become a patron at any level, you also will get... Uh, access to our exclusive Discord. You get to hear monthly curated outtake reels that I edit together, and um, oh, yeah. bonus content, including now video recordings of these episodes. So we record yeah. our zooms. Kind of fun to see our stupid faces or see the hand-me-down shirt I'm wearing from Wyatt. Stuff like That's that. Right. The praying mantis shirt that I bought for myself. <laughs> That's right. We'll eventually give to Jake. <laughs> it gets too small on me. Uh, and you also, by becoming a patron at any level, will get uh, to, if you're one of the first 100 patrons anyway, you'll get one of our super duper citrus Belgian beer glasses. So act now. I'll mail it to you. It's pretty. You can also get friggin' what's sort of like, uh, above that, uh, you can also, suck stuff. Yeah, above that, you can also get stickers, 
exclusive stickers you cannot buy, you can only receive through the Patreon. And weekly minisodes where we've got a goofy thing going on. I think I just last the last uh, episode in this feed is a sample of what's happening in the behind the paywall. So Ooh. if you want to see that saga, you got to check it out. <laughs> We have initiated an irreversible shift <laughs> towards eventually making the minisodes the mains of the mains of the minis. So prepare yourselves. <laughs> it will eventually take over. It can't be helped. It's not, not it on purpose. Helped. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening, for supporting, and let's unplug it from our brains. Yeah, sounds good. We do appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Back to the show. Jake, take it away. What are we doing now? Okay. Uh... <clears throat> Mm. Very sultry uh, throat clearing. Yeah, so we're we're talking about birds, right? Well, I feel it would be a grave disservice if I failed to provide a timely update on the Phantom of the Chicago. Oh my. So if you're a first-time listener to the Phantom of the Chicago, it's the thing I've been talking about since episode two. It's a bunch of weird <laughs> sightings of humanoid bat-like creatures with glowing red eyes in the greater Chicago area. Uh, probably birds. Anyway, the first report we have today, <laughs> these, these usually come from Lon Strickler of PhantomsMonsters.com, but also sometimes not. There's some other uh, Lon-adjacent people, uh, figures in, in his life, uh, in his life and our lives as well. Long-distance relationships. <laughs> yep. And uh, that's where we're going with today. So it's, uh, first is a, a somewhat timely entry. It's from March 15th, so a few weeks back. Post from our pal Manuel Navarrete of the fascinatingly uh, named website UFO Clearinghouse. We're just getting them out the door. <laughs> All UFOs must go. They, they in perfect shape. <laughs> I'll jump right in first with the witnesses account. He always formats his the same. He has the witnesses account and then the investigator notes, which are frequently just the same thing, but described uh, in the third person. So oh the uh, the witness said this. I was out driving around with a guy I had just started talking to. We were out by the airport just cruising around, listening to music, and getting to know one another. Okay, hold up. Why would you ever just get in a car with a guy like this? Well, it sounded like they had been chatting for a bit, and then they were on a date. Madness. So, uh, uh, we decided to park to smoke some bud, and one thing led to another. We were in the back seat when he looked up and started screaming, What the fuck? Over and over again. Since we'd only recently met, I had not yet learned that this was his standard climaxing routine. Ooh. <laughs> that was my addition. Oh. <laughs> it, it was then that we felt like something bumped into the side of the car, like when someone slammed up on the side of your ride. I sat up and saw a pair of bright red eyes and a big black body looking into the driver's side window into the back seat. It scared the hell out of both of us. We started screaming out loud. This thing kept looking into the car, and then it just disappeared. A security deposit. Oh, very good impression by Wyatt. Made his eyes glow red. Very weird. Security guards showed up, and then two more showed up. They made us get out of the car and started asking us why we were there. But after looking at us, they started asking about what we had seen. We told them, and they screamed at us to get dressed and leave. This, as always, is followed by the, as I said, investigator notes. So we contacted Google them. will rehash the whole thing. Yeah, we contacted them by uh, email and reassured them anonymity and stuff. She agreed to an interview over the phone. So in this case, the actually is not just fully laying it up, but actually going with... He then, like, she submitted that, and then he called her, and they talked about it over mm. the phone, so he's relaying her call on the phone. I see. Uh, she was a 20-year-old Hispanic female, and her companion was 26-year-old, and also of Hispanic descent. The witness said that they were out driving around and had decided to uh, stop at a construction site near the airport to talk and smoke 
marijuana. Marijuana. The witness said it was about 10 p.m. and that there was no one around at the site. Now, we have had a bunch of recent sightings of the Phantom of the Chicago in the vicinity of O'Hare, the airport. So, mm-hmm. this is uh, kind of tracking with that. It parked near the entrance of this construction site, but out of the way so as not to be seen by any law enforcement. For the witness's sake, I asked her to please skip the details and to please just stick to the sighting itself. So I can only assume that means that she was giving a play-by-play of everything they were getting up to. If you know what I mean. Well, you see, Mr. Navred, he was getting totally boned out, ready to blast off. So he went to the back seat, which he referred to as Pound Town. said, no, please, please, just stick to the details of the sighting. <laughs> uh, she described the entity as being tall and thinly built with bright red eyes that were, quote-unquote, glowing. She described feeling the car move as if someone had slammed against the side of it, followed by her partner starting to scream. So, again, rehashing. But so here's where I guess interesting. <laughs> yes. She looks at the window. Uh, it... Uh, it looked, they described it as owl-like. Uh. Her partner told her that it looked like its eyes were set into the entity's shoulders. Uh. The witness stated that the creature was gone within a few seconds and almost immediately the security guards arrived. So they asked um, uh, them stuff and that they apparently had not seen, the security guards did not seem to have seen this thing. Uh, so they were like, I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So they were both told that the next time they were seen at this site, they would be arrested immediately, which is the thing the security guards are all the time doing to people. Mm-hmm. They left. She was dropped off at home by the uh, date. Manuel asked for the second witness's contact. He didn't want to talk, so she didn't give it to him. Um, and anyway, they, uh, yeah, it was near Highway 72. And uh, yeah, he wants to continue digging deeper into this going on at the whole O'Hare thing. He's going to talk to the UFO Clearinghouse website, the Panams and Monsters 40 and Research Team. And all of its investigators. As of right now, this is an ongoing investigation, and further information will be posted as it becomes available. That's how he concludes. So, have there been any, oh, any no. updates? So, let's quick check here. No. Oh, no. So, anyway, I hadn't talked about the Phantom of the Chicago in what feels like so long, but it felt relevant because, as the witness said here, it was it was an owl. It was, it was, it was an owl. <laughs> it was an owl that bumped into their car. Possibly, anyway. Uh, if, it, if it looked like one and managed to fly off undetected by the security guards, my guess right. is that it probably would be in an owl. And we've talked about how different owls have that layer, that membrane in the backs of their eyes called a tapetum lucidum, which that's reflects right. light in a really cool way. A lot of animals have this, and that's why you see glowing deer eyes in your headlights, things like that. Same can be true of owls. And when it glows in certain owls' eyes, it does look bright red. Mm. And owls, as our more astute listeners may be aware, are birds. And like the Phantom <laughs> settings in general really do all seem to come down to birds, right? So therefore, this is relevant to today's topic. <laughs> <laughs> Smashed it. You can imagine, too, that it might have been sitting on the side view mirror. Could have been. And like you said, the eyes seem to be sunken into the shoulders. Well, imagine, I mean, their eyes are recessed into the front of their face. They um, And they're so large that they can't rotate their eyes individually. They have to turn their whole head. So... If you just saw wow. from a distance, it might That's seem right. like part of the shoulder or something. I don't know. It's like right. kind of squished down. Also, I wanted to mention this at some point during the episode. Might as well do it right now. If you'd like to learn more about bird anatomy and bird behavior, bird evolution, all kinds of cool bird stuff, and you're anywhere near the Twin Cities, come to the Bell Museum of Natural History, located on Larpenter Ave, just on the St. Paul campus, part of the university. Uh, we have a, an exhibit going on from now until, I think, October, maybe September, called Seeing Birds. And we it's an entirely oh. in-house built temporary ex, uh, temporary exhibit full of all kinds of cool bird stuff. Definitely worth checking out. We have uh, an owl skull, so you can see how much room their eyes take up. 
um, and a lot of other really cool stuff in there. So please come check it out. And if you do it on a Friday, come say hi. I know there's at least two listeners in the area. Come say hi on a Friday. I'll give you a high five. Everyone else, buy tickets (laughs) from abroad. (laughs) And get your ass here. Anyway, speaking of bird stuff, here's my main segment, uh, which a bunch of them die. Oh, my. I covered basically the exact same topic in episode 125, specifically in Arkansas. Mm. So Today, I'm covering the other place where birds die, not Arkansas. Yeah. This is prompted partly by my already having a topic squirreled away that I've been meaning to cover at some point, and partly by that viral video from a couple months ago. You know the one? Nope. Okay, cool. And then I'll play it for you Is regardless. Is it a bunch of uh, starlings crashing into the ground murmuration style? Yes. Uh, and you did or did not see this? I have not seen it. I okay. think I saw that it existed, then I did not want to watch it. Okay, well, you're going to now. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oops, that's the one with the fucking ad. Okay, let's go. It's already Wait, open. oh, I wanted to suck that VRBO episode into my brain <laughs> episode. Right, here we go. And... <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, it's a lot of birds. And then most of them get up and fly away. Uh some of them are still kind of stunned. They take some time to fly away, but like the overwhelming majority of that very large flock of birds does shake it off and uh they're good. Some of but them seem a few got it's a decent a few dozen that do not look to have uh uh worn Survived. it so well. Yes. So we have like security camera footage up a street from a very high building or you know what three or four stories up and mm-hmm. uh all of a sudden just a black cloud of what looked to be maybe starlings just smashes down into buildings in the ground and then like jake says most of it peels away but and a few birds kind of get up and fly off too but yeah a few are clearly uh the leading edge of the uh crash yes and probably dead Probably. So this happened on February 7th of this year, 2022, for those of you keeping track. It was covered by basically every news outlet. So here's uh, some stuff just from The Guardian. It was one of the, like, a lot of the articles I went to were just linking to The Guardian. It's like, okay, this one is further back than the others. I'll just use that one. Hundreds of yellow-headed blackbirds, is what it was, Mm. have been filmed appearing to fall from the sky, some of them dying in mysterious circumstances in the northern Mexican city of Cuauhtémoc. Cuauhtémoc. I'm not good at what seems to be kind of a Mayan-rooted word. Mm-hmm. No X's, though, so I'm not quite as hurting as I usually am when we <laughs> read things from Mexico. The cause of death remains unclear, but experts said it was most likely the flock was flushed from above by predatory birds swooping down to make a catch. Oh. So um, there's a couple of different people talking about it. Like, so people thought it was like uh, something to do with pollution causing them to, like some cloud of pollution causing them to fall out of the sky. Huh. Or some people thought it was something to do with 5G because everyone wants uh, yes. 5G to so be responsible for stuff. for 5G. Uh-huh. Dr. Richard Broughton, an ecologist with the UK Center for Ecology and Hydrology, said that he, although he could not see a raptor in the footage, he was 99% sure it was caused by a predatory bird. Mm. predator could have mm. made the birds swirl tightly and could have then driven them towards the ground with higher birds forcing lower ones to crash into the buildings on the ground or in the buildings or the ground. Uh, he said, quote, this looks like a raptor, like a peregrine or a hawk uh, has been chasing a flock like they do with murmurating starlings. And they have crashed mm. as the flock was forced low, he said. Mm. You can see that they act like a wave at the beginning as they are being flushed from above. Mm-hmm. Dr. Alexander Lease, a senior lecturer in conservation biology at Manchester Metropolitan University, agreed. Uh, and he mm. went on from there. 
Yeah, and it seems like each of the handful of publications I looked at seemed to include quotes from their own country's most willing ornithologists. Um, and their conclusions all do seem to be the similar kind of thing. Tight flock accidentally crashing because of a predator. Cool thing about, mm-hmm. about uh, flocks and swarms and schools and all the different kind of large groups of traveling animals is they really just kind of mark off of whichever thing is adjacent to them. So if a fish or a bird sees the individuals around them turn a certain way, they'll just follow the same way. They'll just do that. So that's why it seems like those large groups are able to move as almost one unit. It's because they're all instantaneously reacting to whatever is in their immediate surroundings. So if you're a bird in the middle of a cloud of birds and all the birds around you start going straight down, you're going to go straight down. The ones behind, like, oh, they're trying to get away from a scary bird. (laughs) They may all just go down. And in a case like this, have nowhere to go but straight into the ground can happen sometimes, I guess. So a little scary. But uh, the overall idea here is that birds can fall out of the sky sometimes for different reasons. You never know Mm -hmm. why. Sometimes it's a predator. Sometimes it's whatever happened in Arkansas. I forgot. <laughs> sometimes it's a uh, a time machine being set off in some mines in Germany. You never know what'll make birds drop out of the sky. Do you want to expound on that? I don't. Well, now. Oh, <laughs> there you go. It's the show you got me into. <laughs> it's been a minute. I thought you had another story. No, it was uh, that was just referencing that show. That did you ever see the third season? No, I still haven't. It's seen good. It. It's only the, I think it's only the three seasons, right? Um, yes. Very cool. Very. I wouldn't mind rewatching that show sometime. Damn. Very interesting I've and been, cool. I've been wanting to. Like it, I remember watching the third one, thinking, "How are they going to tie up all these threads?" They seem like they're making yeah, more exactly. and more. Like, the end of season two, they really kind of. Uh, I won't say jump the shark, but they inter- introduced a whole other possibility to the whole line. That they I was doubled like, down on how much stuff could be going on. I was like, "How yes. are they going?" And it. It actually does work in a really satisfying, like emotionally Ooh. satisfying way. So, damn, I have to do that. Quite a good show. We were, of course, talking about Dark, right? Yes. That's it. <laughs> I was like, I feel like there should be more words <laughs> on Thanks. Netflix. Make sure to use the subs, not the dubs, because the dubs are annoying and weird. Oh, yeah. Um, so this little vile thing reminded me that I had long ago read about weird bird happenings in India and wanted to look into that more deeply. Oh. The way it was always framed was basically like this. Every year, birds fly to the small town of Jatinga and then die for mysterious reasons. Huh. This is most commonly called the Jatinga bird suicides. Ooh. So let's dig in from um, mysteryofindia.com. It goes like this. Oh, yes. Jatinga is a village on a ridge located in Dimahasau district, Assam state in India. So this is way over the easternmost part of India, up at the kind of top right corner past Bangladesh. That's where this is. Uh, the village is inhabited by about 2,500 Kasipar tribal people and a few Damasa people. This small village is famous for the phenomenon of birds, quote unquote, committing suicide. Over the last 100 years, thousands of birds have flown to their death over a small strip of land in Jatinga. Hmm. The bird suicide mystery is a unique phenomenon that occurs in Jatinga between September and November each year. During these monsoon months, several migratory and local birds commit mass suicide at the village. Just after sunset, between 7 and 10 p.m., hundreds of birds descend from the sky, plummeting to their death by crashing into buildings and trees. 
Since birds aren't known to be suicidal, the phenomenon has baffled villagers, visitors, and scientists alike. Hmm. Many ornithologists have dedicated their time to research of this unnatural phenomenon. Huh. They found that many species of local birds, such as kingfishers, pond heron, black bittern, uh, tiger bittern, etc., are prone to such strange behavior. So it's not just one kind. Huh. Studies have also revealed that the birds commit suicide in Jatinga during the late monsoon as most of the water bodies in Assam are flooded by that time, so the birds lose their natural habitat. Hmm. They appear to be migrating to other places, and Jatinga is in their migratory path, but it isn't clear why the birds fly at night or why they get, volu- get voluntarily, seemingly voluntarily trapped in the same place every year. Like They always seem to choose that route and then die in it. Uh, in 1988, when Assam faced severe floods, a record number of bird suicides was reported in Jatinga. Huh. However, some long-distance migratory birds are not affected by this phenomenon. And those birds which don't die on impact when they do fly down like that, instead crash land near some of the lights of the village and then just kind of stay there. Huh. Uh, curiously, most of the doomed birds do not attempt to fly away after they land near these lights. They look dazed and disheveled perhaps due to the trauma of the whole shocking experience, such birds fall easy prey to the villagers. Mm. Contrary to popular belief, birds do not commit suicide. Under circumstances not yet fully explained, these birds get caught in the fog and wind, get Mm. disoriented, and seek the, says in this particular translation, the solace of the light sources put out by the villagers. Um, They hit trees and other objects and get injured in their flight towards the light source. Villagers hit the hovering birds with bamboo poles or catapults to bring them down. Oh, no. Studies also show that I'm also interested in what the translation for catapults might be because I don't imagine siege engines are being employed. Yeah, right. But, uh, very tiny siege engines. <laughs> Maybe uh, slingshots. That's what I was guessing. Yeah. But generally, they're, they're getting knocked down so because they're a food source uh, mm-hmm. and they're right there. Studies also show that the birds come in only from the north and land only on a well-defined strip in the village. That's a Hmm. 1.5-kilometer long and 200-meter wide strip. Hmm. Uh, Lights placed along the southern side of the village have failed. Huh? It's like a shooting gallery. Yeah. And lights placed along the southern side of the village have failed to attract any birds. It's only the ones coming from the north. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, quote, it is not suicide, to be precise, said Anwarudin Chaduri, a well-known ornithologist in Assam. But the fact remains that birds are attracted by light and fly towards any object with a light source. This phenomenon mm. still puzzles uh, still puzzles bird specialists. Mm-hmm. The phenomenon of, quote, uh, yeah. avian harakiri <laughs> uh, was first observed by the Zemi Nagas, the inhabitant tribe of the region in the early 1900s. It frightened them so badly they sold their land to Giantias and left the place in 1905. New mm. inhabitants also observed the phenomenon, but interpreted it as a gift from God. The Giantias aren't entirely wrong. After all, the phenomenon was, has captured the interest of wildlife circles and tourists, making the village of Jatinga world famous. Mm. The birds alone are responsible for a boost in tourism during the monsoon months, and they're mm. quite delicious. Locals relish these exotic delicacies, because they are largely migrating birds so stuff you can't always get there except this one time a year right the villagers deliberately switch on lights and lanterns to attract the birds and capture them every year wow so already pretty weird that every unsolved mysteries type of listicle out there refers to this as bird suicides yeah and uh, it has no idea how it could possibly happen when in reality the mystery is what's causing the birds to consistently get so disoriented in this one spot leaving them vulnerable to crashing and or being hunted 
What are your thoughts, Mr. Dr. Shell? Well, it's not the lights, right? Because it was happening before that. Is that it sounds, true? It sounds like the lights have pretty much consistently been part of it for the last hundred years since the village has been around and had lights, so but maybe only it's on just one side. Like a folklore combined with it is just the lights and they're getting stirred up in the clouds or what have you and trying to get down out of that. It's, and maybe it is just blustery and foggy enough that they crash. It seems to, yeah, generally be just some kind of really hyper specific confluence of factors only during the monsoon months where it's extra foggy there there's floods where they'd normally land and stuff so that maybe they're still just like flying around into the night looking for a place to land right. and then getting disoriented i was in the wondering fog too, the i don't know what their physiology or metabolism is like on these migrations but mm-hmm. i know some birds can go through pretty extreme physiological changes and i would wonder if that influences their ability to make fine scale navigational decisions sure and then of course if you're hungry for birds and they're flying low or hitting the ground but not dying it's uh seems like a no-brainer yeah totally (laughs) but it's just funny to me how i kept seeing this referred to consistently all over the place as like oh this one town in india where birds go and Uh, kill themselves and no one knows why it's like then reading about it it's like no it sounds like it's just a weird pretty well explained yeah that happens to me i guess nobody clicks on birds get taken advantage of for being clumsy <laughs> yeah <laughs> now, the, uh, luckily cases of this have been dropping in recent years so here's no a 2015 intended. article <laughs> yeah, i didn't even think of that uh here's a 2015 article from the statesman which i believe hmm. is a, uh, a regional newspaper hmm. assam's Tertinga village known the world over as the quote-unquote suicide spot of birds may lose the tag as the number of winged guests Flying into the space has reduced <laughs> dramatically over the past few years. Oh. Quote, bird arrival is very scarce these days as Jatinga and the number of birds being killed by villagers has also come down. Eminent ornithologist Anwarudin Chaturi said, so same guy before, Chaturi dubbed the Birdman of Assam has done field surveys to understand the mysterious behavior of the avian species in the tiny hamlet nestled in the north Kachar Hills near Haflong. Hmm. Bikash Brahma, additional principal chief conservator of forests of Dima Hassau, also agreed, saying not only killings, but also the number of birds arriving at the village has been declining gradually since the last few years. Hmm. Quote, earlier birds were killed, but uh, earlier birds were killed, but due to the awareness campaign run by the forest department, such incidents have reduced substantially now, he said. Hmm. The birds are drawn by light typically produced by a combination of fog, mist, and cloud during the months of September through October during moonless nights. Hmm. After reaching the village, they get disoriented and unable to fly, and they hit the walls and fall easy prey to hunters who attack them with bamboo poles. This phenomenon is often wrongly known as uh, suicide by birds. Explaining the reason behind the decrease, Chaduri said that habitat loss in the nearby areas of Baral Range was responsible. The mm. quote: the jum cultivation area has increased, leading has increased, leading to loss of forests. Developmental mm. activities and environment degradation have led to decrease in population of birds. Hmm. Uh, although the behavior of the birds has been scientifically explained by ornithologists, it is still believed in many quarters that birds fly to Jutinga in order to commit suicide. Wow! Quote: It is a misnomer to say it is the suicide spot of birds. The tag has <laughs> remained because tourists get attracted to see the phenomenon. And there is a little awareness among the masses, Chaturi said. The birds who get affected by this phenomenon are mostly juvenile. So that is one additional layer to it, too. The ones mm. that are migrating may be younger and so unused to being disoriented in any kind of way, let alone this very specific way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, the mysterious behavior of birds has made Jatinga a bird watcher's paradise. Quote, after waiting at the watchtower for two to three nights, you might spot a flock coming to your side. It is fun to watch those young birds flying very close to you. They appear nervous and directionless, he said. Some of the birds mm. species spotted are a little egret, hill partridge, green pigeon, emerald dove, necklace lapping thrush, thrust, I think it's maybe thrush, uh, black drongo, various types of kingfishers, etc. So now they're wow. still flying there, getting confused, but for the most part, not dying as much, more so just being there and flying around before making their way. And right. uh, that is the, I guess, total conclusion of um, the Jatinga bird, quote unquote, suicides. There it goes. Interesting that it affects so many different species, too. Yeah. It must be just misty as all get out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds like it's kind of near a mountain range and stuff. So you have clouds coming from uh, that. You have the general monsoon moisture in the air. There's a lot of right. things coming together to make it just real hard to see. Damn. Well, interesting selective pressure too i wonder if that will be something that improves navigation for the birds that or selects for birds with better navigational ability in that type of challenge could be yeah going forward micro evolution does seem like the lack of or the loss of habitat nearby is also kind of affecting who yeah, even goes that direction you, anymore anyway but strain uh, too many mm-hmm. but Damn, very cool. I enjoyed that very much, Jake. Thank you. There's some bird shit. That's what I got. Some bird shit. There bird you shit go. not on my head, so not as lucky as normal. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think there's only one thing left to do, and that is of course. talk about a little brewery in western Massachusetts, mm-hmm. which I think we can do it together at this point. <laughs> Incorporates big tank, smoke monster, <laughs> amplifier, acoustics, spot, and moisture, and yeast. And time to make a particular <laughs> brand of fermented refreshment that, of course, is Four Phantoms, Four Phantoms beer. Uh, if you're in the New England area and want to buy a beer, consider buying Four Phantoms. Mm-hmm. Here's some more things forthcoming at Four Phantoms for you all. You know, it took me like two or three episodes of you doing this ad copy before I realized all the four wordplay you had done. <laughs> Foreplay, if you will. Oh, um, <laughs> Sunday, the 24th, there will be a grinder pop up. No, no, no. This isn't a speed dating event, you cheeky bastards. <laughs> it's a chance to sink your teeth into some sandwiches. Aha. Uh-huh. From Vegan Pizza Land instead. Mm. So, yes, to be clear, those are the grinders, sometimes called hoagies or subs or heroes or. Dagwoods. Dagwoods. I don't know if that's also the same. It's some kind of sandwich like that, too. A long, enormous sandwich. <laughs> yes. Um, by Vegan Pizza Land, which suggests it will be meat-free. Next Thursday, the 28th, it's Four Phantoms Legendary Free Bacon Night, um, which they do monthly. And uh, that evening will also kick off another celebratory beer release weekend, this time heralding the arrival of none other than Johnny Flip-Flop's Limoncello Sour. Ooh, Limoncello this time. Yes. So I will say uh, whatever your druthers may be, Four Phantoms is quite good at the sours, and uh, this is a promising offering. I'd go so so far as to say, if I haven't already, that if you are trepidatious about trying sours and want to get into (laughs) some, try Four Phantoms first. That's the way to get into some sours, because they are good sours. They have got that particular style on lock mm-hmm. so among others as well 
Uh, yes. So you can't miss. They have a very long list of delicious beer to try, and this coming release will feature Johnny Flip Flops Limoncello Sour along with those. So mm-hmm. that's that. Thank you very much for Fandoms for your support. We love you guys. Thank you and, so much. Uh, yeah. Any uh, so there's no bow updates this time, huh? Bow. No uh, bow being served. The buns. Oh, not that I okay. saw. Last couple ads you've had, you've mentioned bow, and you've made me now for over a month be craving bow like crazy. So if you are not in the New England area, unable to get to Four Phantoms, and you are instead in the Midwest, specifically the Twin Cities area, come to the Bell Museum on a Friday, see some birds, and tell me where the best bow in the Twin Cities is, because I've been wanting some very badly. Jake wants to bow his head. I do. Anyway, thank you all for all those things. Uh, Thank you for your support, Drew and Four Phantoms. If you out there listening would like to support us in another way, one way to do that is uh, just to go on to your podcast app, especially Apple Podcasts, and leave us a review. A super helpful thing to do if you are hating everything you're hearing so far and you want to make that known, do not tell us any specifics about what is wrong, but just make sure to say how wrong it is that helps us a lot. Exactly, exactly. And rate your disgust in terms of number of stars. The more you hate it, the more stars. Yes, 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 exactly. That would be most helpful. And uh, and yeah, we appreciate we appreciate you. So let's see. Next time, I won't say next week because my <laughs> the next episode's premise. So I think you said birds. Is that correct? I think, I think did. you did. All right, so I think we should still keep doing the uh, spontaneous episode prompt decision making at the end of each episode. But for this on particular, like, as an ongoing thing, we try and do sometimes. But uh, for this next episode, I would like to do something that Dominic Marsala suggested a while back. He said, "Come up with our own cryptid, ghost, monster, etc., and write a short story or summary of it. Whoa! And find one or two other weird stories online, similar or completely different to our own written one." And uh, so we'll have like three little stories of things. One of them is made up by us, and the other has to guess which one is the made up one. Two truths and a lie. Exactly, with some kind of uh, spooky tale. Very fun. Uh, An interesting (laughs) whacktivity. Please, everyone, stay tuned. I should be ready to do this in about four months' time. (laughs) Just as soon as I pay someone on Upwork to underwrite my story. JK, it'll just be three months, and (laughs) we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.